is the publisher of the award-winning ClimateDepot.com, a global warming and eco-news centre founded in 2009. Mark Morano has been described as one of the right's top 25 journalists who serves as a bombastic foe of the Greens. And for that reason, we love him very much. Uh, Mark Morano, we love you very much. How do you feel about that? Well, thank you very much. It's uh, it's a rare thing to get any kind of like, love, or non-hostility from anyone in the media. So I'll take it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. The, um, the, the the by the way, the the reason why you're wearing uh, the headpiece yes. because our last conversation we're talking about the climate monarchs. Wow. Yes. You you are. Ha- I've got to ask you. Have you have you crossed the fence and gone to the other side? <laughs> no, uh, but, but the point we have this this is for Climate Hustle 2, Rise of the Climate Monarchy. And I, you know, I went to Louis XIV Castle in the Palace of Versailles in France. We did on location shooting. We did a whole history of the uh, uh, of, of, of uh, monarchs and how this relates to the climate issue today. And that's why I'm dressed like this because the climate monarchs of old, or the monarchs of old, uh, are the model for the climate monarchs of today. And the idea is that they live themselves in opulence, wealth, do whatever they want. They get to make all the decisions, and we are the masses to them. We're the ones that they're hammering with higher energy prices. They're the ones that they're hammering our economy. We're the ones that they're setting our thermostats, that they're destroying our uh, our appliances. We're, we are the one, the masses, the public, we are the ones living under despotism as they try to tell us what we can eat, whether we can own property, whether we can drive cars, whether we can travel, how much we can pay to do that, how, what kind of travel. Everything is going to be Sovietized, if you will, by these new climate monarchs, and it's going to be a regulated life down to every little decision. And, of course, COVID has only accelerated this um, uh, this monarchy that's now uh, you know regulating everything from your backyard barbecues to how many people you can have sitting around the tree on Christmas Eve uh, or or any other holiday. This is a uh, this is not a friendly monarchy uh, at all that we are facing here. We are living. We are going to be facing a very bad one. We go through this in the whole film, Climate Hustle Two: Rise of the Climate Monarchy. Hence. The wig. Well, actually, it looks really good. And I've just got a call from, make sure I'm right, yeah, from Elton John said, um, <laughs> how dare you stare he, st- steal his hairpiece? I mean, but you are the hair apparent. That's, <laughs> uh, it's, you know, I, I try not to be that uh, uh, much of a performer on this, but, you know, uh, Elton John's great, but I'm not trying to be like him. I'm trying to be you know, the, the uh, dictatorial monarchs of old here. That's what I'm trying to be. I'm trying to represent so people can get an idea of what we're up against. And it's not just monarchy as we go in the film. We also compare it to 1984, mm. George Orwell's 1984. And very similar there, the facing of this sort of technocracy where they're going to regulate every aspect of our lives. And once again, the COVID climate connection, you can see how COVID lockdowns can easily be morphed into climate lockdowns. Here in the United States, if Joe Biden sworn in, he's being urged as one of his first acts of his presidency to declare a climate emergency. Why? So that he can suspend democracy. Why? So that he can impose uh, draconian climate solutions without having to go through the messiness of democracy. 
COVID lockdowns morph to climate lockdowns. It's really interesting. I mean, it's um, in the uh, the last couple of months of the year, last say month, month and a half of the year, and then start of next year, we have seen three three turkey events. We have Thanksgiving, we have Christmas, and we have the inauguration. I mean, there. I mean, the turkeys. They're in it. They're in Washington at the moment, and it's uh, it's 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 very distressing to say the least because they're the ones that are controlling how we live. We are. I mean, in, here in the United States, we've just been told by uh, the CDC infectious disease expert Anthony Fauci that he's not going to see his kids for Christmas, and he doesn't want anyone else to either. He's urging everyone else. Now, mm. it's one thing for an eighty-year-old man to urge everyone else. But we have actual governors, mayors, county executives, other legislators that are that literally want to make sure that the police enforce that type of activity. This is the greatest infringement of liberty that we've seen personally in the United States since slavery, segregation or Japanese internment camps, clearly. But this is it since those mm. and, and around the world. It's an unbelievable thing we're seeing happen just where democracy is tossed aside overnight. And this is what the climate campaigners want. That's why we open Climate Hustle 2. The film opens with the COVID climate connection. And it's exactly our, our we're having a climate envoy. John Kerry is set to take over here in January. And he actually has said that the parallels between COVID and climate are screaming at us. And they want to declare a climate emergency and suspend civil liberties once again in order to fight the climate uh, emergency. Interesting also the, um, because the rest of the world have said, you know, we're, we're a bit detached from the fiasco that you call an election. Uh, and, and cheats still win, by the way. Um, but yes. you, you'll never, that will never be heard in a court because we have the courts under the... Under the um, the same umbrella as government. So if you're a um, if you're a Democrat or a lefty state, you're not going to hear because the truth might hurt, as they say. But it's interesting. Joe Biden has now told the whole world that unless you ramp up your climate change crap, you must do this. You must do that. The U.S. will not do business with you. So Joe Biden, with his bunch of um, merry men and, and ladies, that's probably politically, politically incorrect saying ladies, but anyway, uh, we'd say Sheilas and blokes uh, behind the scenes doing their bit to make sure the rest of the world now does what they say. Yes, uh, this is, you know, Biden is now going to try to fill up the leadership void is what they call it, that President Trump abdicated responsibility. First of all, <laughs> just let me talk about Trump and we'll talk about Biden, but have you ever seen a world leader, just take the issue of climate, stand up alone to the rest of the world at G7 summits, at UN conferences, at World Economic Forums. They say that, oh, it, we have to take the courage to, you know, take, to, to fight climate. No, courage is standing up to every world leader, including your allies, and saying it's all bloop, bloop, bloop. That's what <laughs> President Trump did. He actually compared it to the fortune tellers of old, the climate prophets. That takes courage because you know what's coming, the ridicule, the attacks, the investigations, the smears. It does not take courage, as Joe Biden is doing, 
to have leadership on a politically correct cause that all the other leaders are all terrified to deviate from. So all Biden is doing is giving French president and the UK president cover you know, you must do this or it's going to affect your relations. All these other presidents are doing it anyway because of the pressure they feel because not one of them has the ounce of courage that President Trump displayed in standing up to the UN Paris Agreement, standing up to the, all the climate nonsense coming from the EU and all these other leaders. So it is, it's, it is very sad to see President Trump leave here. Uh, and Joe Biden is going to come in and do everything President Obama did and then some, and why I say it's gonna be a lot worse is because he has uh, AOC and uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Bernie Sanders um, and uh, uh, Bloomberg and others who have written his platform and are gonna be pushing him to much more extreme lengths on climate and energy than President Obama ever contemplated. I've got a call uh, as, we're, as you're talking from uh, one of our viewers who said that just follow the science. 99% of scientists agree that we're in deep doo-doos uh, with climate change. What do you say to those that say, just follow the science? All, if not all, of the scientists say that we're in deep doo-doos. Okay, that's a great, and I'm going to relate this to COVID as well, but here's mm. the bottom line. A top UN scientist named Dr. Richard Toll looked at the 97% claim. Mm -hmm. He actually did this as it, and it was published in a, in a journal. None of the claims supported by the 97% are in the paper. He said, his findings said the 97% consensus, or as your viewer said, the 99% was literally pulled from thin air. One of the studies was not even 97 scientists. It was based on 77 anonymous scientists uh, who answered a survey that was whittled down from 10,000 plus scientists. So this is how they create the scientific consensus. Another example, the National Academy of Science, the August climate body started by President Abraham Lincoln. This group and its thousands of scientists all say it's real. How can you deny this? This is the most August. The group is 100% funded by government. The group has lobbied for cap-and-trade climate bills. The group has, uh, it, it has literally turned itself into a political lobbying organization. And when they endorse the so-called consensus and become part of the 97%, two dozen governing board members of the National Academy of Science or the American Geophysical Union or the American Meteorological Society, etc., only two dozen governing board members vote they never take a, a poll of their members. They never do rank and file voting. In one case, the American Meteorological Society, it was like almost 75% of the members did not believe in man-made climate change being a problem, but yet the two dozen governing board members voted. So the public just hears, all those scientists agree. Now we'll switch to COVID. Nobel Prize winning chemist um, was just uninvited from a scientific conference. Why? Because he doesn't support COVID lockdowns. Not because he doesn't think COVID is a real virus or anything like that, but because he goes against the politics of the day. He was barred from attending a scientific conference. Yet in addition, he will have his papers questioned, his university, his funding will dry up, his media coverage will dry up. Suddenly, in a year or two, Mike, you know it's coming, 97%, actually 100% of all COVID scientists and epidemiologists and viral, they all support lockdowns. How could you be against it? Mm. Because the people who spoke out, and now we have scientists by the thousands and hundreds signing petitions against the lockdowns, they're being silenced. They're being shut out, just as climate scientists were. So this is that whole con. 
they you can't dissent because you don't exist anymore. You'll lose. And I, I have a whole chapter in my book on that. We cover that in the movie. The dissenting scientists are crushed. Same thing's happening in real time in the COVID debate right now. Any scientist, no matter how many awards, no matter how prestigious, you don't exist anymore. You're uninvited, defunded, stripped of all your stuff. This is what's coming. And suddenly, guess what? The only scientists left, they all agree. How can anyone be against it? So your viewer needs to actually start educating himself on this i am so tired of hearing about all sorts the consensus is mm. all scientists agree anyway sorry about that that was my rant no that's Wait, okay we we enjoy the rant back on. i don't know no, no 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 take the wig off put it back in its kennel okay in its okay. kennel <laughs> look the look, i just um we, i'll get on to the media in a second because I'm, this is a uh, introduction to how we feel about the media your book which came out in uh, 2018 the Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change. That's my British accent. Um, but not Charles, because he doesn't believe that. <laughs> Most of the monarchy doesn't, because it infringes upon their wealth. Uh, and we yeah. can't even talk about that. Then you've got Boris, by the way. Truly um, a disappointing man, to say the least. But your wow. book. Now, your book. you got all this. And 2018, it was nothing like it is now. How did you cut through, or how did you get air for your book to actually get it out and make it a best-selling book? Because you have got so much against what you're saying or what the general yeah. consensus is out there. There's, if you say that this is garbage, then they come out of the cornfields, these people, and they start pointing at you and chanting something, I'm sure. So it's a... I'm just wondering how you got through all that air, how you got the, the coverage. and Well, this is, a, you just hit, this is the whole issue. I'm grappling with this right now. It's a fascinating question. The book came out in 2018. I did an update on it with a bonus chapter on the Green New Deal and re released it in 2019. It still soared. It was, in the, it was on Amazon, bestseller in all of its categories, climatology, environment. The way the, the, way the world is now, Mike, and you know this now, is it's all echo chambers. Sadly, there's almost no show now that will host a debate. If you remember the old CNN mm. crop fire, uh, that, that, those, those kind of shows couldn't even function today because people's heads would explode. They couldn't imagine two sides actually <laughs> debating an issue because the one side, the mainstream media, believes there is no other legitimate viewpoint. In an old Chinese or Soviet style, they actually believe that. The other side is seeking a debate, the dissenting side or the, you know, the, the non um, the non-state you know, side, the mm. non-establishment side. So my book, I was able to get that just huge coverage through Fox News and Newsmax TV. And um, I was even on uh, Andrew Bolt's show and Sky News and, and, uh, and other things. And, and on, on like-minded shows and in other publications, but it was never covered on the other media. Now, here's the shocking part. My first film, I'm here to talk about Climate Hustle 2, which came out in 2020. We were set for 800 theaters. COVID came, shut all the theaters down. So we released it online in September. But the first one, Climate Hustle 1, came out in 2016. What a different world. That was covered by the New York Times, the Associated Press, uh, Variety Magazine, Jimmy Kimmel, Late Night Television. It was a different world. It was on the edge of it. And I, and I want to say that I think President Trump's ascendancy to the presidency turned the media where the media in 2016 said never again and this was a decision that just was an instinctive decision a planned decision and it was an enforced decision 
everything from every major organ, Time Magazine, Newsweek, The Washington Post, New York Times, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, etc., MSNBC, all made a decision that, uh, particularly on climate, but a, but a hell of a lot of other issues, including even you know on uh, on presidential politics, decided that only one side was legitimate, and we won't even give airtime or even mention mm. the other side, except to ridicule it and talk about how wrong and how absurd it is and all that. So that's how the world changed in just four years. If you go back even further, seven, eight years ago, I, CNN would regularly host prime time climate debates. I was on against Bill Nye in prime time. I was on against the head of the Sierra Club in prime time. I was on against um, the Jacques Cousteau's son, whose first name fails me right now, debating climate change and energy. I used to be on MSNBC, ABC News. It was an amazing thing, and not just me, but other climate skeptics. Now, not even an option. So to answer your question, you have to maximize the new media, which is, you know, essentially there's one side, which is the state run media. And then there's the other, which is quite diverse and energetic. But even that can attract state figures to come and actually debate. So you still don't get a debate. It's, a, it's just and that's, by the way, the lament of my career. I am built for debating. I love debating. That's all I've spent my time doing. The United States, uh, when I worked for the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee, uh, going to the UN conferences, I got to debate at one point the head of the United Nations Climate Panel, both when he was current and then the retired one in a congressional hearing. By the way, the only place you can have an actual debate is at a congressional hearing because Republicans bring witnesses, Democrats bring, and you can actually get clashed. Well, you can't actually technically debate, but you can sit side by side and talk you know, away from each other. You can't talk to each other given the format. But that's the situation, and it's it is a sad, sad world for anyone who wants to actually get grapple with ideas and debate and free thinking. I don't know how we're going forward like this. I don't know. How, you know, it's a sad state that we're in. The uh, I was I was talking to a um, a senior journalist yesterday about um, about the media and how <laughs> how terrible they are. And he he's been a journalist for like forty years through you know Washington. Yeah correspondent and throughout uh, uh, Asia and, and Europe and stuff. And we're talking about uh, one story I've never forgotten, and I was really incensed about it, but I, I didn't write in because I thought I need to, 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 to live a little bit longer and keep that blood pressure down. But yes. this journalist, now I'm using the word loosely, journalist, her first job was as an assistant editor at a university women's magazine, which hated men. Uh, her next job, she was a travel blogger, traveling the world, well, traveling the country. She never went overseas, uh, except to Bali, which is where, which is almost another state of Australia. So travel, getting sloshed, freeloading, having a great time. That's what travel bloggers do. And as, yeah, everyone knows that. Her next job, her next assignment was to write about the evil Donald Trump headline and said what a terrible person he is, that the whole of America hates him, he's the uh, devil incarnate, and all this sort of stuff. So does it get back to, same question to you as I was talking to this other, other guy, does it get back to there's not enough life experience and that we're controlled, you know, the, the, the journalists are controlled, or is it this group think? I don't know how control, I mean, they're controlled only in the extent that like if you work for, you know, the New York Times or, uh, you know, the, the uh, Washington Post or Time, 
you, you cannot obviously write an article like, hey, I interviewed three skeptics, climate skeptics. They get, they, they're not idiots, but I think it's more of a group thing. Uh, there was an article, uh, PolitiFact, I believe it is, and you know, basically saying that the greatest lie of 2020 was uh, about COVID and lockdowns and you know, that masks don't work and blah, 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 all this other stuff. And you look at who wrote it. These look like they're two 20-year-olds, a, a, a young man, a young woman in their 20s, look like they're right out of university. And they're writing this, and they're writing it with all the snideness, arrogance, dismissiveness, and just in your face, kind of like there's only one way. Everyone else are just conspiracy nuts, and this is an outrage, and they're killing people. So I think it's, to answer your question, it's mm. a group thing. Mm. And I, I interviewed John Stossel, the old Fox News and ABC newsman, and he's now he's on YouTube because he's just, he just had it with the whole broadcast media, and the whole world's changed, so he does social media now. But he says the whole newsrooms of all these all these you know establishment media progressive left wing they're all a bunch of twenty somethings running around out of school idealistic who believe that there's one world view and their goal is to advance a cause their goal is to suppress any dissent and to and to constantly make anything that's not within their mission illegitimate and and absurd and that's what they do daily and it's an, it's absolutely dead on accurate so I believe it is a groupthink. I don't know that there's a cure for it. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know what the cure is. I mean, you don't ask me right now in America. I mean, it, we're just a mess. I actually don't think there's any cure for it. I think going over to the social media side of things, look at YouTube. Um, you are not allowed to say that, that um, and it's, you know, as we would say, blind Freddie could see there were irregularities in the presidential election that should raise concern. But if I worded that a little differently, this wouldn't go to where that you you are not allowed to question the legitimacy of Joe Biden being president, and, and now he actually is office. He is now president elect before he wasn't. So to go to social media is now fraught with danger, and they're going to shut it all down. And do you? Do you I mean, do you, I don't think we're going to get out of that. I think I, I actually think we're you know the, the world has changed and will never come back. And 1984 is very mild to what it, it should be, what it will be in, in a year's time, two years' time. And if the U.S. under a Biden administration, shortly to be a Harris administration, <laughs> and by the way, who becomes who becomes uh, vice president? Do you get Bernie there? I mean, anyway, that's another well, thought. Well, if that were to happen, Harris, I guess it would be Nancy Pelosi, if I oh. that right, but Harris would quickly appoint her own vice president to replace herself if that were to happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who's worse, Pelosi or um, um, or uh, maybe... Uh, who's, who's worse than Pelosi? The old guard, Schumer, Pelosi, Dianne Feinstein, AOC and the younger, you know, the younger mm. progressives, they're mad at them. They're basically they're at the point where they're basically calling Dianne Feinstein, liberal senator from California, Nancy Pelosi, climate deniers because they're not ambitious enough and didn't fully embrace the Green New Deal like mm. the younger progressives did. So, you know, there you can believe me, they can get a lot worse. In a in a sense, uh, the Schumer and the uh, Pelosi, they're part of the establishment, and as such. They're more conservative or they're more traditional than the young progressives who are invariably going to replace them in the next few years. Mm. Who are going to just be, you know, like these young reporters, just completely, you know, on a mission uh, uh, with no constraints whatsoever. So how did you get involved with climate change? I mean, what kicked it off for you? Good question. Um, Well, I had always grown up as a conservative who cared about the environment. 
Uh, and so I always watched the old documentaries, uh, National Geographic, particularly. I remember these from the late 80s, early 90s about the Amazon rainforest being clear cut. I always wanted it was a dream to go there one day. I always loved jungles and, and, and the woods and everything. So in 1992, I had an eye opening because uh, Dixie Lee Ray was down at the Rio Earth Summit when the first George H.W. Bush went down there. This was the big this kicked off the whole sustainable development. But she had given out, she was a scientist and she'd given out all these facts about the Amazon and not disappearing. And this was an environmental campaign. So I started investigating that and it took me years, but eventually culminating with me doing a Amazon rainforest documentary. And I got to go to the Amazon several times down there. But I realized it was the most intact force on the planet. The football fields, a the minute they claimed, were all being regenerated. They were double accounting. And even the New York Times in like late 2000, I think it was 2008, admitted for every acre of rainforest cut, 50 are being regenerated. Studies show that you could cut areas of rainforest with new forestry techniques. It's not slash and burn, but that within seven years, you couldn't distinguish the plant and animal species from other forests. So it was actually a hopeful story. And I felt I'd been conned on environmental issues because of the Amazon issue. So by the time I started looking at global warming, it wasn't until the late 90s that I started looking at global warming. I was already skeptical because I knew it was the same people behind it. And I also met Dr. Patrick Moore, the former co-founder of Greenpeace, who turned against the organization around that time. And so I started as an investigative journalist covering climate. Uh, and by the time then I went to work in the United States Environment and Public Works Committee, I was the uh, communication director, speechwriter. I also uh, was did the reports and I did a 400 dissenting scientist report and then a 750. I've got over a thousand dissenting scientists from around the world, including Nobel Prize winner, former United Nations scientists, all coming out saying this is not the case. The United Nations is a is a political body lobbying as a scientific organization, their climate panel. And because of that, I then left the Senate and started founded Climate Depot, which led to Climate Hustle One, Climate Hustle Two, my book, uh, The Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change, which I consider the A to Z book uh, for anyone who wants climate. It's a great coffee table book. Uh, for anyone who wants to understand climate, it's very reader friendly, little boxes, breakout, some f uh, pictures in it. And it's got uh, simplified explanations for the layperson. This is not a technical book about you know, climate models and CO2, although I cover every major topic possible in it. How scary is uh, big tech? Well, this is OK. Uh, and this is where COVID has just advanced their agenda radically. Now, just, I was talking earlier about the media and how just four years ago during my first film, we had mainstream media coverage. It was there was a, a debate was allowed. But I think because of pres Trump's presidency, the media made a memo to themselves. We helped this guy get elected. We can no longer legitimize anything he stands for. And that includes all of his supporters. So that's sort of what we're seeing in this election. Big tech, Twitter, particularly Facebook and a lot of the, the other ones. I always use Twitter was actually still a debating format. I mean, I just, you know, earlier this year, I was called a sociopath by NASA's lead global warming scientist. He said, Moreno's a sociopath, like most other climate deniers. So you could still actually engage back and forth with people whom you disagreed with, not always civilly, obviously. But what happened was about six months ago, it really kicked, maybe a little bit more than that, but it started getting more in earnest. But both YouTube Twitter, Facebook, they started doing these fact check things and putting warning labels up. So if you held a view that wasn't legitimate, 
by the by the establishment media, by the by the by the uh, establishment uh, of Washington and the corridors of powers around the world, you suddenly were delegitimized, and they would demonetize people. In the case of COVID, just to give you a recent example, if you put anything on YouTube that is against what the World Health Organization claims about COVID, and we're not talking about virus or epidemiology, if you're against lockdowns or a mask mandate or some political decision that it'll look, you get a warning label and you can be threatened with being pulled, your channel can be removed from YouTube. And they actually say, if it is not in accordance with World Health Organization, now the World Health Organization is run by, uh, I, I, by a guy named Tedros, uh, who and this is completely dominated by China. It's so bad that the United States is pulled out of our membership in the World Health Organization. Of course, Joe Biden will put us back in. But this is an organization just like the CDC that has been on opposite sides. You know, no lockdowns before COVID, and then suddenly, oh, lockdowns because they came from China. We love them. No mask mandates. Then suddenly, oh, we were flipped, reverse ourselves. Mask mandates and the WHO and the CDC disagree. Anyway, you can't say anything that disagrees with it. John Stossel recently did a video. And it was literally the views were truncated and destroyed because a group, uh, uh, some climate group, a a progressive left wing climate group that YouTube relies on, said his information was not accurate. He actually reached out to them. They admitted on air, he interviewed one of the people, that it was accurate, but they still couldn't change the decision because it was against the narrative. So they own us. And what they're doing, and they own us on their platforms. Other things have jumped up like Parler, but that goes back to that echo chamber thing. I was on Parler, but it's great organization, great thing, but you're just talking to like-minded people. That interaction, which democracy craves, that lifeblood is being stripped now, <coughs> excuse me, from social media. Now, one more scary point. Not only is it being stripped in the media, social media, but what else is happening with these lockdowns, which never were on the table before you know, COVID came along and we saw Chinese people dying in the streets and then Chinese officials hammering people in their house, locking them in. You used to be able to go out after 10 o'clock at night. You used to be able to go out to your pub or a restaurant and sit around and talk to your neighbor. Guess what's prohibited by almost every government in the world right now? You can't congregate. That's publicly. Now they're telling us you can't congregate in your own home at Christmas or Thanksgiving or holidays. Do you see the pattern here? No dissent mm. allowed. And they're talking about mandatory vaccines, regardless of what you think of vaccines. Bills in Virginia, where I live, the health director wants to mandate the, the COVID vaccine. New York State is issuing it. We've already know that if you that Ticketmaster, if you want to go to a concert, you're going to need an immunity passport. Australian, Qantas Airline, you're going to need a passport to fly, at least internationally. The EU is going to follow suit. All the corporate woke, everyone's going to follow suit on this. I wouldn't be surprised if places like Walmart wouldn't allow you in unless you could show proof of a vaccine. This is a technocracy. We're being ruled by a few experts, unelected, who are basically setting all the rules. And they're going to say, oh, well, we don't force it. You don't have to take the vaccine. But yet you won't be able to possibly get a job, go shopping, go to a concert, fly, travel. This is what they're doing to us. And just look again. I just told you how no debate is allowed. We can't even meet with members of other of your own family if you exceed eight or ten, depending on your location. And they're talking here in Virginia. They're trying to enforce it. They're they're out. The governor's executive order. They're out. Police are actually trying to enforce this in places like California, 
You can turn your neighbors in. Snitches get rewards. If you see more than one family at a house or too many people congregating and they, the mayor is threatened and actually done, cut off utilities to your house. Even if you paid, you're going to lose your water, electricity, because you're violating the lockdown mandates. That is how this happens. And then on top of that, we have a climate actor, Eric Holdice, who says we need a climate. We, we need to declare a climate emergency. No one should be able to fly unless it's a for a morally uh, morally acceptable reason. And that's going to be like to visit a dying loved one. It's going to it's going to take out business travel, even vacations. They, we no longer get to decide it, Mike, because. We didn't spend decades in school. We don't have PhDs. We don't have a degree in public safety. How could we run our lives when these guys study it? They know better how we should live our lives. That's our future. That's where we are in the year 2020. Has it shocked you the, um, the rapid rise of this, this new wacko religion? You can't, you can't, you can't. I mean, it's very scary and it's rapidly getting more scary because it's happening faster. It's called, I call it the great hysteria. Uh, that's what we're living under right now. Mm. And I, maybe when I say historians will look back on it and call it that, they may not because mm. we may be in this 10, 20, 30, 40 years. It's a permanent state of emergency state because if you go back in the climate debate, it was uh, New York Times columnist Tom Friedman who in 2009, I believe it was 2009, he, he, he drooled after China's one party leader, rule, one party rule. He said, China doesn't have the messiness of democracy. If they need to do something, they can just impose it on their people. It's like a benevolent dictator. They just love that. Same with the UN climate chief. Well, we're all China now. We're all Chinese. We're all the Chinese government now. They have a thing called the social credit system where, again, like I mentioned earlier, like you can't go to a concert, you can't go to a store, you can't fly. The government keeps track of what, a, what kind of a citizen you are. Have you worn your mask? Have you followed the lockdown? Have you flown unnecessarily? What do you keep your thermostat at? Do you have the proper shower head with the low flow water or do you have you removed that? Who knows what they'll come up with, mm. but that's going to be your social credit score and that's going to be your value in society. Hey, you might get a tax break if you're a good citizen and you might get penalized if you're not. We've already seen this in the UK. They've proposed carbon ration cards for employers. In other words, you're, you're whether you how much you fly, energy you use, how your air conditioning, heating, uh, airline, plane travel. If you're a high emitter, you're going to be penalized. If you're low, you get rewarded. This is all part of this great reset, which is what we're living under. Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum, boldly announced this. They actually said we're going to use the COVID lockdowns to cause a global reset, the great reset of capitalism. And we're going to quote, in the words of Joe Biden, build back better. And that's what we're facing here. This, I don't call it, it wasn't planned, but think of uh, you know any, any hot button issue. The activists wait for the right moment to impose their agenda. They waited. If you go back, you can find Bill Gates a few years back saying the next pandemic, we will not be ignored. You can have Anthony Fauci uh, you know, basically talking about how they're gonna do it different. They were just waiting for that opportunity. And this came in beyond anything they wanted. The UK House of Commons speaker came out and said he was amazed at how compliant the public was with the COVID lockdowns. And this has given him hope and emboldened him to now, because he wants to declare a climate emergency and continue the same type of policies for the climate lockdown, for the permanent state of climate emergency we're going to be in. And there's no way to measure when we're ever out of it. Remember, the UN Paris Agreement 
was the saved our children. It was the greatest thing ever. The humanity was healed. And now openly they're all saying it did nothing. John Kerry just came out and said it, it was woefully inadequate. We're all going to die still. It's a catastrophe. There's no criteria. The same with the virus now. They're never going to lift this state of emergency unless the people no longer give our consent. And that's the key point here. The, the Berlin Wall didn't come down because the East German Parliament voted to, hey, hey, let's take this wall down. The people have had enough. It came down because the people no longer gave their consent. So I'm speaking to everyone in Australia, in Europe, in England, in France, in the United States, in Canada. We have got to openly defy, 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 defy. We have whole towns in the United States now openly defying the lockdown. I'm tempted to move there. I mean, I want to support this. This is what we need to do. This is our our way forward is that. Now, by saying these things, I will get shadow banned or banned or removed on YouTube or Twitter. This not allowed, even though we're in a democracy. The, um, I'm just also uh, noting the, um, uh, the, the Democrats. You know, obviously, they have America and the world's security uh, at heart, and they're doing their yeah. very best, un- unless you're uh, sleeping with a Chinese spy. And, of course... Uh, <laughs> What, what was done to her, she's probably done to, to America now. So the hypocrisy still, is still there. It's still very much alive. It's the, the new American dream. Do as I say and not as I do. What are your thoughts on the, um, on the Democrats there with their, you know, with their preferred treatment of, you, know, you can almost say preferred traitors, because that's what they are when they start giving away secrets. We're not saying that he did that but he certainly gave it a good going over, to say, to say the least. Well, the other thing that's happened here in the United States is not only was the uh, the establishment media essentially hijacked the democracy, but we found out the FBI was part and partner to the media and the Democrats on Capitol Hill, the whole Russia collusion thing, the whole James Comey, uh, and uh, you know, obviously leading up to this. This has been just shameless, but they're probably going to get away with it. Uh, because I think I, my personal belief is Republicans on Capitol Hill excuse me, are very weak, uh, whether it comes to climate or even fighting this kind of stuff. Um, and we see how they've handled the election. They just it's been you know, you know, not not much of a pushback. Um, but, yes, there is a deep state and it was against Donald Trump. And it was a bipartisan deep state, though. And what's amazing about that is Donald Trump, I believe, was an accident of history. He was never supposed to be allowed to win. Um, and I think he wasn't allowed to win a re-election. Uh, but I, I don't know that he could ever get elected again or anyone like him in my lifetime. Uh, and that is why the FBI and, uh, and, and these intelligence committees, they just they violated everything they could possibly violate. And they were hypocrites and they favored one side on this. There was no impartiality. But just think, four years ago, people actually believed there would be a you know a fair hearing on this, and you know that's how much again how much the world has changed overnight, and again, COVID has accelerated everything to the point now where we're not even allowed to congregate in our own house, let alone your restaurant, let alone travel anywhere, mm-hmm. let alone um, go to a scientific conference if you don't support a lockdown, even if you've won you know Nobel prizes. So. This is a whole new world we're dealing with. Tell us about uh, AOC and her radical agenda. Is she as influential as they're saying, or is it hype? Is she maybe another Greta, destined for, destined, I'm trying to do this without laughing, destined for great things? 
No, I think she's destined for great things. She's not going it. She's not a Greta in terms of, mm. I don't know if you have met Greta, but Greta could be a flash in the pan. It's hard to say. How, how dare you? Out there. But no, AOC is important. She represents something very important. And that was, this is all, none of this happened just, I'm telling you it happened rapidly, but the seeds for this, I have a whole chapter in my book on the indoctrination of kids on climate fairs and the psychological impacts that's had. AOC represents the last 20 years of public education in the United States and also around the world, the hijacking of our education system by the progressives. I mean, you can't find a conservative, a libertarian, a, a free marketer who's even in uh, you know, the, any teacher's union or any part of authority. They would just get drummed out. So these kids from the curriculum on down, and I've testified at school board hearings and state hearings on, on common core values, especially on climate, where they basically say there's no dissent, no scientists disagree, and they just go through. It's like this. It's just shoved at these kids. So I think what, what AOC represents is this socialist utopian vision, the you know constant war against climate change, which again is going to be a Sovietization of America and the world, where just bureaucrats, unelected, are going to control every aspect of our lives. If you want to know what it's going to be like, look at COVID lockdowns. That's what they've been shooting for for decades with climate. But they've been calling for planned recessions to fight climate change. What's a lockdown but a massive planned recession. One observer said it's a bombing of your own economy. But I think AOC is riding this wave and I think this wave is going to carry her far. On the other end of that spectrum is the old Bernie Sanders, but AOC represents the youth movement and that's sort of what Greta is involved in as well. I don't think I don't think AOC is a flash in the pan at all. I see her probably being president of the United States one day, especially if everyone can mail in a ballot. I don't see why not. But I do see her as being a presidential contender. I, I think she's being groomed for it. If you were king for one day, how would you fix all this up? I mean, I don't think it's fixable at the moment. I think the no, um, momentum is just rolling down the hill and it's just gathering everybody along it until it reaches the bottom. Nothing's going to happen. Well, I think the way you'd fix it is you just have to you have to allow freedom. You, you, I'm not going to sit here and say I would. I would you just have to allow freedom. That's the bottom line. And we allowed this big tech. We had the phone companies, Ma Bell, in the '60s and '70s, and it was essentially like allowing phone companies. You could have all these privileges and access and rights and, and almost grant them a monopoly, but you have to allow liberty and freedom and not show favoritism. Well, they violated all that. Mm. In other words, it would be like in the 1970s if you made a phone call to a neighbor and then you got a, a note saying, oh, your phone privileges have been suspended because you had the wrong opinion about you know, some environmental issue or that you didn't support the right candidate. That's what we're dealing with now. And it's at this point, it's hard for someone to take on Facebook. It's hard for someone to take on YouTube. They're so dominant. They've been given so many advantages. They have the best lobbyists. You know, I was watching these congressional hearings with them. So the first thing I would do is strip them of any kind of protection like that, uh, that from the telecommunications mm -hmm. bill and, and make them open up and not allowed. In other words, if someone has a view like on climate or anything, and this, this is not just affecting me or, or climate skeptics, but the people like Michael Moore, he's a global warming alarmist to the full, but the left wing filmmaker questioned renewable energy, solar and wind. He got yanked off of YouTube. There was a whole campaign led by people like Michael Mann and Josh Fox to censor him and remove the film because it's dangerous ideas. Don't you know ideas are dangerous? So mm. I would I would try to get rid of all forms of censorship and I would allow 
uh, a way that our Constitution, if you could really wind it, where we could never have another lockdown like this again. You could never have people being mandated to do things that make no sense. And you'd have to de somehow de uh, get, get rid of the power base of this of the of the bureaucracy and unelected officials because that's what's coming for us here. It's going to be ruled by white lab coats. That's what we're facing. I say in America, our constitution failed us. Our bill of rights failed us during these lockdowns. And then I get the retort from people on my own side. It's like, well, the constitution uh, is only as good as the people there that are going to enforce it. And I think that's where we failed. Americans have been, in the words of the UK House of Lords too compliant mm. in allowing all this to happen. And again, I just, again, I don't know the way out, but I think there will be a way out at some point because I don't think you can envision a way out. You cannot control spontaneous human advance, human behavior like they're trying to do with climate and COVID for long. Mm. You can do it short term. But I, my hope is that we have literally the governors of Michigan, New Jersey, New York. I want to see them, California, literally ridden out of town on a rail is what I'd like to see at some point where they're just like forced to leave office during their term because they get so bad. I don't think that'll happen, but I think, you know, maybe we can, you know, the people will wake up one day. It could take, took 70 years in the Soviet Union. Hopefully it won't take that long here. <laughs> but who knows? A couple of questions, uh, one word answers. Uh, the presidential election in one word just uh i, I would i want to curse and say a cluster f but just uh, yeah basically that it's a mess here's the, the uh, two words are or three words mail in voting uh i think that's even more significant than the uh, uh the, the voting machines mm. in you know, commissions 10 years ago this was never meant to be to have people mail in ballots like that because of covid this time around they got it through that's that's you know in the, the Georgia Senate race I expect to go Democrat for that same reason. Dominion, what about that? Dominion, you know, regardless of whether the you know, the darkest things they've said about it are true, they need transparency. The whole system was set up. You should not have attorney generals that are getting financial benefit or possibly governors. The whole thing is again a mess. But traditionally, uh, that's how American politics does it—just a big effing mess. Okay, now we'll keep these to one word because I need these. This, we've sure. got to be creative, okay? Big tech. Tyrants. Facebook. Um, technocracy. Joe Biden. Old. Barack Obama. Irrelevant. Climate change. You can add a few words to this bit. <laughs> Second greatest threat to liberty. Uh, the solutions to the mm. climate change. COVID-19, finally, COVID-19. Greatest threat to liberty. The greatest challenge freedom-loving people have ever have faced on our planet in, you know, since we had major wars in the middle of the last century over. It's a very scary world we live in. Uh, what are you doing for Christmas? Over Christmas, are you locking yourself in, in your bunker, uh, boarding the I'll be, windows I'll be up? at home, masked up, all alone, afraid to leave, checking the clock because I don't want to walk out the door after curfew. Uh, I, I want to I I be like this to my overlords and just be so grateful that they're even allowing me to eat and drink still. Um, no, I plan and have continually. I don't wear masks. That offends a lot of people. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't care. 
I, I do wear masks and very specific. I had to wear it when I flew. I had to, went, I went to a conference. Uh, Las Vegas security was going to escort me out if I didn't put a mask on. So there are times when you do it, uh, but I generally don't if I'm going in stores, Walmart and around I, it, it, all kinds of ways to avoid it. You can, I invoke health exemptions, whatever it takes to get it. But um, I don't listen to lockdowns. Uh, I don't socially distance. A virus is going to virus regardless of what you do. I have washed my hands a little bit more and tried to avoid anyone sick, but mm-hmm. asymptomatic transmission, as Fauci has said, is not a, uh, you know, never been a driver of a pandemic ever. He's what he said. Now, of course, they'll say, well, COVID has rewritten all the rules. But anyway, I plan on doing anything I can that's against the COVID protocols. Mm. I actually, I'm very scared for the, um, you know, for the next 12 months, couple of years, or forever. I'm not too sure about that one. I think the world has changed. I think it's completely changed. I think momentum at the moment is um, with uh, big tech and uh, followed by its disciples of wackos, but they're controlling they're controlling us, aren't they? They are, and they're going to control this COVID vaccine. Watch it. They're already seeing it again. The, the, the COVID passports. These aren't conspiracies. This is them. Mm. You know, if you go to Climate Depot, you can look up you know vaccine or passport. It's all of their words. Whether it's the you know the concert people or the sporting event people or the airlines, they are now basically saying you have to follow all these rules or you will not be a member, a productive member of society with full access. Hmm. You're gonna have severe limits. And that's the, that's how a technocracy works. You don't have to do it, but you're gonna be on the outs hmm. with, uh, you know, with life. If somebody wants to find out more about the preachings of Pastor Mark <laughs> Morano, how, how do they do that? Uh, rewind this tape and watch it three times. Now, you can go to climatedepot.com. My book is The Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change. The film is Climate Hustle 2, uh, and you can go to climatehustle2.com, Climate Hustle, the mm. number two, or the word two.com. I'm also just finished a book on the Green New Deal, which will be out late winter next year, uh, perfectly timed for this nonsense as it comes out. And it's a, this is a big one, almost 350-page book. And it's different than the politically incorrect guide because it's all focused on the Green New Deal. But again, I tried to make it humorous, fun, mm. and re- readable for the layperson. You don't have to be a policy wonk to, to read it. Mark Morano, we can't wait for that book. Uh, have a great Christmas, uh, happy New Year, all that sort of stuff. And um, look forward to talking with you uh, again in the near future. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank you.